With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang. And it is the week before the Super Bowl. So next week, I promise you, we got a jam-packed lineup. J-Bell, Carlson, Asmir Begovic, Darren Bent, stars from the ESPN Galaxy, dropping pods every day, getting a set for Super Bowl 55. But that's all next week. That's all to come. That's all to look forward to. So what producer Ollie and I thought, to, to just... Keep things ticking along, keep things rolling. And a nice way to wrap up most of the season was an award show, right? I'll accept an award show that's a little bit different from maybe other award shows that might be doing the rounds right now. Uh, it's almost certainly completely different to any other award show that I think there's probably ever been in the existence of award shows. Like even just the difference between how our awards are given Mm. is enough to tell you that this is very much an alternative award show, to say the least. Alternative being the operative word. That is what we're doing on the Nat Coombs show today. The Alternative Season Awards. And we have got, I mean, a talk all-star lineup. Asmir Begovic, Ollie Hunter, Ben Isaacs, Tom Deacon, Greg Rosenthal, Iron Mike Carson, of course, who incidentally has, has had to put two awards in when he was under very clear instructions just to have one award. Of course he has. Greg Brady and Jay Bell. How about that? I mean, that in itself is, is like a, almost like a starting a starting 11, right, of, of all, NFL UK All-Stars. And yet you didn't deem it necessary to wear a tux. Well, <laughs> well what, what you're, you're being a little bit unfair there, Rob, because you're right. You're absolutely right. And, and for those of you who are watching video, head on over to our, our social channels, incidentally. Video from the show always put out there. Every single show through the season. Bonus stuff as well. Uh, at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You're absolutely right. Uh, I am wearing my usual, my usual garb. Uh, top half. Bottom half. I've got the tuxedo. I've got the spats. <laughs> I might even do some Fred Astaire dancing at some point. So I was thinking, actually, you and I hosting the Alternative Awards show. One of the things I love about award ceremonies, particularly, you know, the Oscars, the Emmys, in usual circumstances, and, and but you know, pretty much apply this to any award show, music award shows, is when there is a really awkward coupling of stars that come, that come together and it's just just car crash television when you have to watch that do you remember a few years ago the oscars when it was uh anne hathaway and james franco as co-anchors that presented it throughout the whole show so if you put in terms of great award hosts you put you know gervais yeah uh, billy crystal back in the day with the oscars uh, you, you know, Chris Rock, just brilliance, right? And then you got Hathaway and Franco on the, uh, the other end of the spectrum. Where Where is the producer Ollie and Nat tag team going to sit, do you think? Probably just above 
uh, Anne Hathaway and James Franco, don't you think? <laughs> I think we can do a slightly better job than them, but I don't think we can match uh, Ricky Gervais. Also, we don't really, I mean, it'd be quite bold after all of these people have kindly contributed to our alternative mm. award show for you to right. then completely take the mick out of them for a preceding yeah. next 10 minutes like Gervais does. Or is that what you're going to do? Have you organised a bit? Oh you, God! I should have should have I should have written a ten minute set just taking taking down Greg Brady and Jaber. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Ah, oh, that far too uh, far far too short sighted of me. Look, we got time to get into some brilliant awards, as you can probably gather from the the title and the direction of the show. It's like left field awards, and we've let uh, our, our brilliant contributors decide which direction they want to go. So we didn't steer them, we didn't lead them. They can pick whatever they want as an award. The only caveat was all that it just couldn't be an obvious one. So we're not doing rookie of the year. We're not doing MVP, team of the year, anything like that. It's kind of more the flip side. So for example, Greg Rosenthal, which we'll hear, we'll hear from in a bit, he went for the award for making me happy. And, and and I know you were incredulous. I know when we were chatting earlier on today, you did, you did not, nah, you just teed him up with that. Nah, you are so narcissistic of you. <laughs> that's what you thought. Nope. That's what Greg, the goodness through the goodness of his heart, decided to send into the show. I honestly thought that a show named after yourself mm. couldn't get any more narcissistic. But then you get one of the most esteemed NFL broadcasters to mm. contribute to our alternative award show. And the award you give him is the award that made you the happiest. Unreal. The moment that made you the happiest, the person that made you the happiest. I mean, that, yeah, whatever. whatever gonna, Nat. I'm not even going to dignify that with a, a detailed response. Suffice to say <laughs> that the name of this show, as you well know, Oliver Thornton, <laughs> was nothing to do with me. That was a worldwide leader call. That was an ESPN. I'm a company man. <laughs> I roll with I roll with what, uh, what the organization. Whatever. Right, we better get down to you and I have got an award as well, right? So we're gonna we got we're gonna yeah. chuck in ours as well. So we got ten. Is my maths right? Ten in total. Yes, I think your maths might be correct, but who yeah. knows? We'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we will. Let's get straight down to business then. And our first award from one of our oldest and best friends, the great Greg Brady. Hey Nat, here we go. So proud to be uh, here on the uh, alternative awards. And we're doing most disappointing team. Why couldn't I get most improved team? I mean, I've improved myself, you know, as a man and as a broadcast. Most disappointing? I, I, okay. I mean, the, I've got other names you could have left that with, but oh, fine. The nominees for most disappointing NFL team. The New England Patriots. I can see that. A little bit, you know, some expectations there. For Cam Newton, Belichick Brady, who wins the divorce. I think we knew that from the beginning, didn't we? The Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, nearly a playoff team. You go from Jason Garrett to Mike McCarthy. Prospects are high. They've got a good roster, spending some money. Jerry Jones going to get back to that NFC title game. He hasn't been there in 25 years. That didn't happen. The Philadelphia Eagles. Sure, yeah, why not? The uh, Eagles... Carson Wentz, this is this is the year for Carson Wentz. I know he was nearly an MVP in that 2017 season before uh, Nick Foles took over. The Minnesota Vikings, does Kirk Cousins still play for? Okay, enough said. Yeah, they'll be slightly disappointing. But they went, won a playoff game the year before, and they were making strides, and they have an excellent roster. And the San Francisco 49ers, so we've got four NFC teams. The Super Bowl loser curse continues. We've got four NFC teams and the New England Patriots. And the winner is the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, congratulations, the city of Rocky and the Broad Street Bullies. 
and, you know, so many great Philadelphia Phillies teams that won titles and Sixers teams that won titles and Flyers teams they haven't won since 1975. But we're there in Minneapolis. The Philadelphia Eagles finally come to the apex of the NFL. No more disappointments. Nick Foles steps in for Carson Wentz, but that's okay. Carson Wentz will lead them to glory many times over the next 15 years. And they finally found their coach in Doug Peterson. That was really, yeah, I think more than the 49ers. I think more than the 49ers. So congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles on the Nat Coombs Show for winning most disappointing NFL team in a really disappointing year for all of us in 2020. Couldn't have it any other way than the the city that boos Santa Claus and throws snowballs at people uh, unnecessarily. Some of the coaches kind of deserved a snowball or two back in the Rich Kotite era, right? If we think about that. Actually, that was the New York Jets. But either way, the Philadelphia Eagles, the most disappointing team. So proud to be part of the the disappointing category. Thanks again. Genius for Brady. So many things to unpick there. Are. Firstly, can I say fine acting from Greg Brady? I mean, <sighs> he's a man of many talents. I mean, a brilliant broadcaster, of course, not just a sports broadcaster. It, you know, in the in the Carlson vein, whatever he turns his hand to in that space, he he weaves gold. But who did who to thunk it? Greg Brady with with an award winning performance of his own. When this show inevitably the alternative award show gets sort of taken to the top, which I'm pretty much assuming that it's going to after this one. Yeah, it's a lock. Greg Brady's going with us 100% of the way. I think he opens every single one of our award shows and he always does a disappointing character in the negative um, category because I think realistically that's where he seems to excel. He he was perfect. (laughs) He was perfect at being miserable throughout that whole thing. It was sensational. The way splicing eras as well, which is great, kind of the Jets and the Eagles. Uh, Genius from Brady. So looking at that, I don't think it's a fair shout. The, The the Eagles are deeply disappointing. In a way, though, I thought maybe the, the Cowboys might have got it in the same way that Scorsese won an Oscar for The Departed as a kind of, we should have given you an Oscar for different seasons, but uh, this is this film maybe on its own shouldn't have won it, but because of all those ridiculously disappointing seasons, uh, uh, we'll give you the award. I wonder if the Cowboys might have, for, for the last 20 odd years, uh, should have should have perhaps been in the running there. But yeah, the Eagles, I think, are, are fair for any names that you think maybe should have been considered on the shortlist of. One has to me to be for me is the Falcons. I think mm. finishing four and twelve, losing their last five games. I mean, just considering that this was not a franchise that was setting up to lose, like the Jaguars may have been or the Jets. Like they still had Matt Ryan. They're paying him a lot of money. They're paying Julio Jones a lot of money. They brought Todd Gurley in. They've got Calvin Ridley. The defensive side, they're actually pretty good at stopping the run. They just can't stop the pass. Like I think the Falcons have to be considered for that. That's an unlucky injury, didn't it? Keanu Neal going out early doors was a yeah, it's true problem. And yeah. The, get bad injuries. Those close games as well, you know, that's the yeah. margins of this season. I mean, real believer in that the whole trajectory of once you're suddenly in a hole, it, there, you know, there's no way out. And, you know, we, we knew that at the start of the season with the Texans, right? Because there was all the negativity about actually the Texans are surprisingly. Emission. Yeah, the Texans is, a, yeah, is another one, which is a quite a lot of disappointing teams. I also think yeah. the Falcons, they. 
just a little tease here that then this isn't in the award show, which I can't believe somehow Todd Gurley mm. losing the game for his team by scoring a touchdown hasn't made it into this alternative award show, but it probably should have done somewhere. Let's give its own category yeah. for <laughs> yeah. Todd Gurley. Um, what about just flipping and flipping to a positive? Cause Greg, you know, as you say, seem to revel in uh, that disappointment. And I, and I kind of get his point kind of leading off with a, <laughs> with a negative, but in terms of the, uh, the most improved team, which I, I don't really feel, warrants its own award and alternative no but nevertheless it, seeing as the subject has kind of come up I mean teams that are in that mix you've got to have the Browns front and centre right uh, given Definitely. year on year approval plus Beckham going down I mean that was a, a remarkable turnaround there uh, the Finns were trending upwards going into the season just keeping that momentum going For sure well what do you think the Finns are going to do at quarterback or do you think they can kind of buy him at Watson as we're time of recording this, that uh, it's been a fit made official about the trade, but we knew that was going to happen anyway. So it, inevitably it seems now he's going to be off and Miami is a possible destination. There's rumblings of flipping Deshaun for two plus a pick, right? I mean, yes. Yeah, I know that does seem like a likely, obviously it's come out and it's been reported that the New York Jets is his, ideal um, or his favorite destination, which is an amazing thing when you think about it, when you think about what the Jets were considered about two months ago to now the point that they seem to be everyone's favorite free agency destination. I mean, I would, <laughs> I mean, I should probably be asking you this question as a Dolphins fan, like, do you want to give up on Tua this early? I know Deshaun Watson is a ridiculously special talent and it's hard to believe that Tua would even get close to what he is able to produce. Yeah. But at the same time, is it's like, it does seem a little bit harsh to kind of be like, okay, well, this is it. Now that Watson's available, let's just yeah give up on tour. It is unbelievably harsh, I agree. But yeah, I think for Watson, yes, I think there are a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL right now that that would make sense. And he's one of them. He has to be one of them, right? And so if he's on the market, I think you do. I think almost any team, with the obvious exceptions, would make that deal. So it's tough, and it's, it would be tough on tour. But he's the jury's still out. Let, let's you know, there's no let's not write him off. If people are quick to after after the meltdown uh, in that game, ridiculous for all of those obvious reasons of any rookie season is going to have highs and lows. It wasn't a, a great game. I don't think we saw enough of a body of work from Tua to be sure that he's the franchise quarterback, but certainly hasn't uh, done enough to write him off so early, but that would be the exception to the rule of play. I like, think if we're doing uh, the fact that they haven't been considered for most disappointing team, I think we have to give the Texans the most disappointing franchise. I mean, and that has only been mm. cemented today by the fact that they've just announced their new head coach in David, David Cully. Yeah, the <laughs> Ravens assistant. And on the same day, it's been cemented that Deshaun Watson wants to leave the franchise. I mean, is there a worse, worse first day than that? I don't think there is. What a 12 months for the Texans. I mean, it's just yeah, it's crazy. Goes as well. I mean, they've gone from leading, yeah, yeah. <laughs> destroying the Chiefs in a playoff game to, to here. My God, I think alongside the rest of the world because of COVID, the Texans are, uh, yeah. are, are, are in lockstep. All right, so there we go. Up and running. Thank you very much, Greg Brady. Superb. Quickly though, most, most improved team surely has to be the Bucks. Just quickly, we've got to get that out of there. Yeah, well, Surely. yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's easy. We don't even consider that. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like you thinking. Uh, time for our second award. Um, we're going to go to Tom Deacon, comedian, presenter, 49ers fan, friend of the show, all pro guest, I think it's fair to say. So I'm not going to spoil the award that Tom Deacon is giving out on the show this week. I'm going to let him take care of business. So over to the great Tom Deacon. Hey, guys, it's me, Tom Deacon. An absolute pleasure 
to be asked to do this. So thank you very much for having me, Nat, to present the alternative award for quarterbacks who score their own rushing touchdown to then throw the football as hard as they can against the back wall in the end zone for that ball to then ricochet off the wall and land safely back in the quarterback's hand. It is an epic feat and a pretty long award title, but I can now reveal the winner is... Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. This epic feat happened in week 14 in the 47-42 win over the Cleveland Browns. It really was a shootout, epic game, but Lamar Jackson made it all possible after scoring his rushing touchdown. And you might be thinking, Tom, this happens all the time, surely. Well, it doesn't. In the exact same game, Baker Mayfield ran for his own rushing touchdown and at which point he attempted what Lamar Jackson had earlier on done in the game and was unsuccessful. So congratulations, Lamar. Best of luck on holding on to this title next season. Brilliant stuff. Uh, uh, Tom Deacon there with an award that is the very definition of niche. <laughs> I think it's fair to straight off the bat, uh, but all the better for it. Genius stuff. And I love, uh, I love the skills that Lamar showed, which just underline the difference between him and, and, and Tom made the connection with Baker Mayfield. But what about us mere mortals? That is absolutely all the kind of thing that I would do, score a touchdown throw the ball against the wall. <laughs> Come back and not be in the face and not be spark out cold or something similar. Attempt a Lambo leap and dislocate my hip. That would be, <laughs> that would be where I would go with that. So Lamar, in case we did it any more, any more underpinning of him being just a supreme athlete, it's just styling it out. Of course he was able to pull that off after breaking off such an incredible play. So uh, loving that from Deeks. What do you think he's more, what do you think Lamar is more happy about? His MVP award from last year or this award from, this coveted award from Tom Deacon, which is going to be a big award to fit the title on. So it might actually, yes, it might actually be quite a big award. I don't know if we can afford this. I think, I think check what you've got in the, uh, the Nat Coombe Show bank account. American Finance, old school listeners out there. A little throwback for you. The, Good point. Close, I think. I think that's going to be a close call. If this award is the size of a truck, to your point of getting all the words on that, maybe maybe that's what we could give this award. Uh, a, a, a truck, uh, just kind of like MVP of the Super Bowl kind of thing. Just drive, it, just drive a car up with this uh, award written all across the side of it. I like that. Um, it, he'll definitely value that. I mean, he'll definitely be looking back at the season. It's a mixed bag, of course. Glad he's got that. Uh, that playoff hoodoo off his back. Uh, the disappointing the Ravens didn't have a deeper run. Glad he's won this award from Tom Deacon. So, you know, it's all, it's all swings and roundabouts, right? Yeah, yeah I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way that we're just putting that in the same context as breaking his playoff I, hoodoo. I, I feel we should. I feel we should. What about you, Ol? If you were, you, you know, you're styling out. So, oh, as we know, supreme athlete Ollie Thornton is is. You'll constantly remind us. Uh, yeah, good squash player. You're a very good squash player. You're in the back of the end zone. You're making a brilliant one-handed. Uh, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to go more like you've dived across. Uh, almost like more like Carl Bryant. Rudolph. No, like Carl Rudolph. Carl Rudolph. Yeah, Rudolph Remember last year against the Saints in the playoffs. I'll that take one. a Carl Rudolph. We'll take that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, what is the Thornton celebration? What's producer all? Are you going to go? You know, contrived, choreographed, Joe Horn, Ochocinco genius. Are you going to go? Um, I'm going to show another feat of athleticism. Kind of jump 
up to one one leap two footed onto a rail and just kind of look look superman style kind of through what what does what does producer all do to celebrate I think I want to demonstrate my power and I think I'm going to individually chest bump each offensive lineman. <laughs> nice. I love that. I feel you should um, have a golf celebration of some kind. A golf celebration wouldn't be a bad shot, but I think that's been done, hasn't it? Deshaun Watson does that a couple of times, hasn't he? Yeah, he does that's the the no one's done the putt, I guess. The putt I could do. Uh, I don't hasn't think someone the done the hole done. in the flag? I think someone done it. I, I think someone might have done a hole. We need to need to look it up. We I do need to look that up. Let's look that up. Hang on. Things I do for my job. <laughs> <laughs> hold of the flag, golf NFL celebration. Let's have a look. I feel like it. Maybe not. No, I don't think they have. Gareth Bale is showing me. Uh, interesting. Well, let us know, listeners, at the NC Show. Are we missing something obvious there? Golf, NFL, uh, golf touchdown celebrations. Or me, you know, maybe the defense kind of get involved with that as well. But certainly uh, touchdown celebrations. Let us know. Sports-related ones that we might have uh, not considered there for, for producer Ol. For when he does make it to the league and <laughs> does get does get It's inevitable. It's and soon. Speaking of your time in the spotlight, Ol, you're up next. I'm up next and I thought there was only one place to go with my alternative award for the Nat Coombs show and that was the best name in the NFL mm. in 2020. I mean, I think if there was going to be an award for best names for a sports organisation, I think the NFL takes it. Just looking back historically, Captain Munnellen, the cornerback, sadly a free agent this year, but what a name that is. Yeah. Frosty Rucker, personal favourite of mine, Mate, defensive tackle for two, the Bengals for a while. Two I've already written down knowing uh, where you're going to go with this. So I'm going to have to get, put my thinking cap on. You're rolling. Forrest you're Lamp, Forrest Lamp, <laughs> offensive guard for the Chargers. <laughs> One of my favourite villain names ever for the Rams defensive end He a long time ago, Jack Youngblood. Oh yes, one of the greats, Youngblood. That's an unbelievable name, Legarrette Blount. If you, see, if you see Youngblood as well, like he's on one of the old school America's games, I think he just looks. He's like that. Yeah, yeah. Then the same way, like Favre is like the prototypical quarterback, right? You just uh, the eye test. Youngblood is just like the. You just no, he looks at oh. no nonsense. He looks. He looks the sort of guy that probably saved lives on a daily basis as a GI in the Second World War, and then just rocked up and played NFL for ten years. These are the things about these names that I love. It's literally the day they were born and given these names, they were going to be destined to be NFL players or actors or something special. Mm. Realistically, you just don't see Forrest Lamp working on the fish counter at Sainsbury's <laughs> at the end of the day. Like that's just not going to happen. I don't don't see that happening. But for the nominations this year, there are some um, special mentions that have to go out to Richie Incomito, one of the greatest names of all time. Unbelievable yep. name, Rich Incognito. Yep. Whitney Merciless, the linebacker for the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, I didn't really want to put in there because I didn't really want to pronounce it, but you have yep. to give a special mention to Aquinamus. Say Brown, Aquinamus. Aquinamus, Aquinamus. Which one is Aquinamus? Aquinamus. 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 Well, so neither of what I was saying was right. Not Aquinamus or Aquinamus. Perfect. Perfect. But the award for the great, the greatest NFL name of 2020 Mm. has to go to Barcavius Mingo. That is largely due to the fact that despite being a linebacker, at one point in week nine, he was the Bears leading Russia. That was in a game against the Titans and it was thanks to a gain of 11 yards on a fake punt. I don't know if that says more about the Bears running game or about his capabilities on special teams, but Barcavius Mingo, I mean, what a name, what a player, what a week nine it goes to him. 
I love it. I love it. I love it because, God, the second time in an episode we're having for your old school Americanish listeners out there, and I reckon there might be one or two. How about that for a throwback from producer Ol, who was probably doing his GCSEs when we were making Americanish. <laughs> but I tell you what, that is that is deep dive in old school because, of course, the, you will remember. I think it started with, with Tony Romo. I can't remember who started it. Uh, quite conceivably, it would have been me or Dan Lowe uh, referencing – NFL players' names in a Geordie accent. Marek might have been involved with this as well, incidentally, because uh, he's old school like that too. So we went Tony Romo, um, and then Barkevius Mingo obviously came up. Uh, so we used to revel talking, uh, mentioning his name, Barkevius Mingo, in a in a Geordie accent. And the other one, of course, maybe the legendary one was Morris Claiborne. Just say, wherever you are listening around the world right now, just say Morris Claiborne in a Geordie accent. <laughs> it works. Virtually NFL name works on that one. So I love it. Uh, I love it. Um, Deep do you want to know? Do you want to know how Barcavius Mingo got his name? I'd love to know. I mean, I can't remember. Where, I got this off a, a, a website that I read about great NFL names when I was doing my extensive research. As you know, no edge rush this week, no bets to be made this week. So obviously, my extensive research go into the history of NFL players' names. Yeah, and I came across the origin of Barcavius. Hmm. Barcavius' mother, his name is Barbara, and right. she had an affinity for the name Cavius. Mm. Thus, she combined the first three letters of her name along with Cavius to form Barcavius. Love it. Now, her dad, da- Barcavius' dad is called Hugh. Naturally. What do you think Barcavius' brother's called? Ooh. Hugh Tavius. Hugh Tavius? Is he not? Yeah, Hugh Tavius. Yeah, it I is. love it. It is. Hugh Tavius Mingo. Hutavius Mingo, I love that. Saluting the Mingos. Great work. And uh, again, I'm sure that uh, out of all the things he's achieved in his life, uh, this uh, an award from producer Ollie Thornton will be right up there. Right up there for, for Bacchus Mingo. So congratulations. All right, let's move things swiftly along. Time for our next award and another all-pro member of our lineup. Let's check in with the great J-Bell. What's up, everybody? It's Jason Bell. And as a former defensive back, of course, I'm picking the interception of the year, and it was Xavier Howard of the Miami Dolphins picking off Patrick Mahomes with a one-hander down the sideline versus the cheetah himself, Tyreek Hill. Xavier Howard, one of the best defensive backs in the NFL. Well, that is high praise indeed from somebody who knows all about that position. And let me tell you, having worked with Jay Bell all these years, he has got a keen eye for looking and ranking and establishing the pecking order of corner talent in the NFL. And so if he is calling Xavier Howard as his number one guy, that is big time high praise. And what a play as well. I mean, Jay Bell, I remember at the time the comms were within seconds. I can't remember who was calling play by play on it, but made the Odell Beckham comparison straight away because it was that perfect compliment, the perfect cornerback riposte to the wide receiver act of brilliant one-handed backflip athleticism. I mean, it was incredible. And, and as J-Bell says, oh, this is Tyreek Hilly's covering here. I mean, this is not... This and is, Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. Mahomes throwing bullets. This, the, pretty much the fastest receiver in the game. I mean, talk about added added pressure. It's not like he just made the play. It was, it was one of the great plays of the season on either side of the ball. And he really deserves it. I mean, the guy had 10 interceptions this year. 
That is yeah. absolutely phenomenal. So, I mean, yeah. he definitely deserves this award and it's a, a credit to him for what he has achieved this season. But obviously, this is the most important award he will get or the most important accolade. I mean, especially coming from J-Bell. Oh, for now, you're from J-Bell, no doubt. They'll lo- yeah. love that. And uh, it is a fine, fine choice. I, I love that backfield, the Dolphins. And I think, you know, the older I get and the more I follow this game, I always like, I've always liked corners. I've always liked that position. I think it's because of the you know, the gregariousness and the, and the flash and the, the, the antidote to receivers. It's, it's a little bit like, you know, the, the Michael Mann film heat where you've got Pacino and De Niro, right. And one is a cop, one is a, a, a gangster or at least a, a, you know, a criminal. And one of the key narratives in the film is that they realize how similar they are, even though they've kind of gone in different paths, you know, receivers and corners that <laughs> I often think of that, that parallel where they're so similar receivers <laughs> and corners, but they've kind of gone in slightly different directions. I've always loved that, that battle, but increasingly, you know, and, and maybe it's just because of the, the great corners uh, you know, I've had in, in terms of the years I've covered the game, like Darrell Rivas, obviously Jalen more recently, looking at this backfield now with the, the Finns, it's just, I'm as excited about that as any other aspect, I think, of the, uh, of the Miami Dolphins right now, that, that, that tag team of Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Come on, let's let's continue the celebration of Nat Coombs then, just focusing on the Dolphins, giving Nat his time. Come on, let's get to Greg Rosenthal's. We know you want to. Let's do it. Let's hear for the great man. I am so honored right now to give the award for making Nat Coombs smile to Brian Flores, the Dolphins head coach. Yeah, I know they didn't make the playoffs, but Nat, he tries to hide how big of a Dolphins fan he is. He's lived through some bad coaches. I mean, Adam Gase, oof, uh, Cam Cameron, Joe Philbin, little Dan Campbell sprinkled in there. The Dolphins finally got a good coach. They're heading upwards. They're in the right direction. For too long, they've been like the West Ham of the NFL. Now they're they're creeping out just like West Ham into the top five. Uh, and it's nice to bring a little joy to the Coombs family in what's been a tough year. What a guy. What a guy, Ollie Thornton. I mean, take notes. That's, that's you know, he's a brilliant writer, a great broadcaster, a man of discerning taste, of course, being being a West Ham fan, and and just quite easily bored, yeah. But benevolent, <laughs> benevolent. I mean, what a guy! I mean, I think we should create some award for Greg Rosenthal right off the, off the, bat, off the bat. What? Like we just created a reward for you? It, <laughs> we, we, we're just going to go bounce back. What's this? What's this? We we keep referring, <laughs> we keep referring to. All. Uh, I love that. I did, yeah, look, I I remember us chatting about this at the start of the year and saying what what's a good year for the Dolphins? Because as we referenced earlier on the show, you know, they were the trending upwards, of course, all the buzz of the draft, not just two, but those three first round picks as it became apparent quite early on that the Dolphins, uh, that the Patriots were, were not going to be where they usually are. And a very real possibility going into the final week of the season of, of the playoffs. And in a way, I think when you have that, postseason in your grasp and then it gets taken away it kind of adds an air a tinge of disappointment uh, and, and I think probably some Dolphins fans would see it as a bit anticlimactic that there wasn't postseason football but I think if you just reset take a breath remember where we were 12 months ago remember what our ambition was at the start of the season I'd take an 8-8 eight and eight, absolutely just getting better year on year and and crucially looking further forwards more draft capital we've got the, the quarterback situation we talked about earlier which will be fascinating but either 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 path there is going to be good. Who do you want, Deshaun Watson or two? <laughs> okay, I could probably live with both. So yeah, no, that is, um, that is it's a decent choice. But also, you guys had one of the best moments of the season by far with that 
Fitzmagic getting his head ripped off while simultaneously making a play to win the game in the final seconds. Unbelievable. Like that was outrageous. I don't think Fitz gets enough credit for what he did there. And I understand that there is the whole quarterback controversy going on with the Dolphins. But I mean, you went toe-to-toe, as we discussed about the Saving Howard interception. You went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. You were a competitive team. Yes, it didn't go well for you on the final day of the season. But at the same time, like the amount that you've developed as a team, how much Brian Flores is growing Mm. as a coach, like your defense is clearly one of the best in the NFL. Mm. I'm pretty comfortable in saying that. So I think it's, yeah, in terms of a platform to kind of go on next, Next year, I don't think you could be any happier. Yeah, you're spot on. I think that the defense critical, of course. And I think if you've got a defense that good, even if your offense is weaker than where the Finns are at, you're going to be in contention. I mean, look at look at teams like the Bears. Uh, you know that you prove that you can scrap away and end up kind of in the reckoning with a terrible offense, frankly, if your defense is, is, is strong and the Dolphins are more balanced than that. So, and they're only going to get stronger, right? I think in terms of the pieces they're going to add and retention of, of who's there. I don't think there are going to be any wild emissions. You look at the improvement of someone like Gesicki, who I'm a big fan of. I love Gesicki. Mm. I think he's, I know he's getting a lot more credit or getting a lot of credit this year, but I think he's one of the top five, top six tight ends in the league. I really do. Um, I think he's great. And overall, the the point you make about Flores is, is bang on the money again. It's that sense of identity. You know, we've talked about this a lot on the show with, with our guests over over the year in different ways what what are the attributes of a great organization and it isn't just the tactical acumen of a coach and his coaching staff but it's the ability to create a culture to define a philosophy you know and that's true i think of many sports outside of the nfl you look at look at football and look at those teams that that perennial contenders in european football they have a clear identity and there's a philosophy that runs through the club, the way everybody does things and the kind of football that's played on the field. Phoebe was talking about it on the show last week. The Bill, the Bills have this absolutely. There's just a clarity of and a unity, a clarity of message and a unity of organization with the Bills, which it's not a coincidence they've achieved what they've achieved. And I think Flores has that. I think he has already established a cohesion to vision that everybody seems to be buying into. So yeah, loving, loving what is going on there at the moment and loving the great Greg Rosenthal's award. Thank you, Greg, uh, for dropping by and doing that. All right, time for the six award and it's uh, my turn to step up. So I've gone for the worst actor of the year category. Let me take you back all to earlier on in the season, early in the season. And here a young man applying his trade in the NFL had a big moment. A 31-yarder to tie the game for his team, the Cincinnati Bengals against the LA Chargers, take that game to <sighs> overtime. It's all about these week one. Kind of, these kind of moments. Week one, Joe Burrow's debut. I mean, talk about you know one of the greatest quarterback talents. They say to enter the NFL in modern times. Let's give him a win. Let's 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 win one for the Gipper <laughs> on his first NFL <sighs> start. Step up, ladies and gentlemen, Randy Bullock. Harris will snap, Huber will hold from the right hash. Bullock two for two so far today. The snap is good, the kick is wide right. He missed it. And the Chargers hold on to the lead with two seconds to go. And Bullock is hurt. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) Randy Bullock, Randy, Randy, Randy. I have so many fond memories of this, not least because as our listeners will know because we reference it 
the whole damn time on the show. The radio show that uh, we do on a Sunday night is a red zone show, right? So it's a live show we do on radio and we are covering the games scores as they happen, key moments. And the particularly exciting bit is when it comes to the crunch, the final, because we do the early slots. So that eight till nine thirty, eight thirty till nine thirty kind of slot when games are getting sorted out. And in the NFLs, we know most games they're in something to play for in the fourth quarter. This one going to the wire. 31 yarder all uh, Cincinnati Bengals, super fan producer all the start of the Joe Burrow era. And Randy Bullock missed the field goal. And then, tries to style it out by doing what we would all do. I go, I take you back to what we mentioned earlier on in the show regarding celebration and Tom Deacon's fine award. That's the kind of thing that I would do. Randy Bullock. Come on. I would, I would, I mean, we, I would make the 31 yarder just to be clear. I think we've got, we've got tape of that from Miami. We've got tape of that last year. Dan Olofsky's seal of approval there for my kicking prowess. But if I didn't, let's just say it was windy. I slipped. I would absolutely, in fact, slips the sort of thing I do. I would pretend, oh, I'd, I'd look, I check the ground. I check the turf. I would do, I would do that. And, uh, but I wouldn't have the, the, instinctive acumen genius to do what Bullock did, which is reach for his hammy. And it was so convincing that the comms like, Oh, I think Bullock's hurt himself. I think he's hurt his hamstring. (laughs) We didn't, we didn't see it that way. He saw through you, Randy. We thought that was a quite, a quite extraordinarily bad piece of acting. But at the same time, I, I I respect it. I love it. I love the fact that he tried to style it out and blag it uh, in prime time. Exactly what I do. So I, I tip my hat and I give you the award. I won't have any slander against Randy Bullock, Nat. I think this is outrageous. I think despite the fact that he played seemingly absolutely fine the next week, wasn't on any injury report. <laughs> I think he 100%. <laughs> was injured. He pulled something there. He just made a miraculous recovery at the end of the day. That's like funny, I don't think I any... thought hamstring injuries were, you know, sometimes no, three, no, four weeks. No, you're very, you're very naive when it comes to <laughs> okay. hamstring injuries. Don't... Oh, right. Randy so. Bullock is an experienced NFL player. He would never do such a thing as to fake <laughs> a hamstring injury after missing a 31 yard field goal to tie the game in Joe Burrow's debut game. I mean, this game was all meant to be about Joe Burrow and he led one hell of a drive to put them in the position to tie the game. I mean, it was written in the stars for you know, Joe Burrow to go into overtime, win the game for the Bengals. Next thing you know, Nat, we're in the Super Bowl. You're in That's the just what I'm assuming. To, uh, no, I'm assuming we we would be in the Boy. Super Bowl <laughs> next week if Randy Bullock makes that it makes Randy that field Bullock. goal. It's but at the same time, moment. If Randy Bullock had made that field goal, would Joe Burrow have got injured later on in the season? Absolutely not. That's the hardest thing about this. Absolutely not. I don't think so. I think they would have realized the Bengals front office would have realized that we had the opportunity to win the Super Bowl because of how great Joe Burrow was and Mm. trade away all of our draft picks for offensive linemen because that's all we need. To, that's, to, be to get you over team, the line to get so us over the Randy line Bullock, so, Randy Bullock, so it's all on Randy but at the same time I won't hear anything against him because I think that's still one of the greatest moments in NFL history for a man in front of hundreds of thousands of people to fake a hamstring injury effectively just not doing his job like that is his one job to then literally go out there and fake oh, the injury is it. 
sensational. It. it was brilliant. Amazing like, moment. We know how hard it is being a kicker, but it always, it must be the loneliest place in the world when you're a kicker and you miss a routine kick like that. Because uh, even when, it, with a couple of exceptions, when you see kickers make clutch kicks and the, the players that are celebrating, and I guess it depends on the context of the game to a large degree, but there are some kickers every now and then that you see a Mahomes level player or, uh, you know, an Aaron Donald level player going on over and celebrating like, okay, that, that kick is quite sound with the, with the rest of the team. And then for all the others, they get their, uh, their own guys around them, right? The stapper, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. whole thing. maybe one of the linemen gives them a high five and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- that's that, generally speaking, like, that's the high bar, right? So when you're missing it, there is just the what, kind of forlorn, Pat on the back, chin up from maybe one of the unit, one of the kicking unit, the field goal unit. And then, I mean, my God, the kick has got a hope. It, was Randy Bullock's locker anywhere near, anywhere near anyone in that Bengals defense? <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The- now, you have to promise me one thing, one yeah. thing in mm-hmm. your incredibly esteemed TV broadcasting career and for what is to come. If you're ever, when you're on the basketball court doing the excellent British Basketball League coverage or if you're doing touchline reports for the NFL games or whatever you're doing, if you mm. slip over on live TV, you yeah. have to you have to grab your hamstring. Deal. You Deal. have to promise me that now. You have to promise me I, that. I, I promise, I swear, <laughs> all that is righteous on E Street, I swear, I will... Uh, I will I will do that for sure. And uh, I would wish I had done that. Uh, l- although I made the kick, just to recap one more time. Was, <laughs> yeah, okay, one more next, time. Next year, we're going to be in LA for the Super Bowl. I feel it. I know things are going things are coming good and the Super Bowl will be as it should be next year. And we'll get another go at the NFL experience. And that is when it's going to be produced to all versus that head to head. We've talked about it, right? We're going to do, we're going to take, we're going to settle it once and for all, bud. Yeah, I think it's it's got to happen. As I've already said immediately that the kicking I've already got, I always don't think what? there's any need in us doing it, to be honest with you. Fine. No, fine. honestly, I honestly don't see there being any point in it. I can I reckon I can make it from fifty yards. I'm happy if it, I'm happy to factor in some kind of uh some kind of handicap system where you, you know, for example, if you feel stronger, that you're a much stronger kicker than I get to take it 10 yards near or something equally. I mean, to flip that, I will let you start the 40 yard dash. I'll still win it. <laughs> There's <laughs> absolutely no chance. As I've told you now, that. I'm a good squash player, which teaches acceleration. So oh, right. don't, okay. if this was, okay. if this was a 400 yard dash, mm. yeah, you'd have it straight mm. up, but 40 yards, I'm lethal. We'll see. We'll see. I'll tell you, what a man who would wipe the floor with us in every event if we did that uh, with him it's Azmir Begovic of course uh, definitely along with uh, Jay Bellanosi uh, the most uh, athletic of our all pro lineup and uh, a firm favorite with our fans uh, all around the world wherever you're listening uh, so of course we asked Azmir to step up with uh, a nomination and award and this is what he went with hello everyone here are my alternative awards for this past NFL season I'm going to start off with the least valuable player, um, and I'm going to pick Dwayne Haskins of the Washington football team. Um, I thought he had a really difficult season and um, you know, obviously benched a few times, changed over. It was a bit of a quarterback carousel. And then at the end of the day, uh, the Washington football team cut their losses and released him. So that would be my pick for the least valuable player. You'd think that as a professional sportsman, mm. that Azmir Begovic would think to support 
his, <laughs> his fellow athletes sure. and come through with maybe sort of the greatest positive. dive of the season. Something positive, you know, maybe something goalkeeper related because obviously Asmir mm. Begovic, an incredible goalkeeper in our version of football. But no, he goes dive straight in with the least valuable player and going for it all <laughs> with, with, and especially going after someone as young as Dwayne Haskins. Love it. I love Ruthless. Well, Asmir hasn't got to the top by chance, right? I mean, it's that Ruthless <laughs> streak you need in, uh, in, in any athlete to, to make it to the top. And look, let's face it, he's got a point. I mean, talk about talk about falls from grace. I mean, Haskins obviously started this season far from the finished article. If we're looking at comparisons, what you're saying about Tua going into year two and, and where Haskins was, I mean, it, he was on the hot seat right at the beginning. But at the same time, this wasn't uh, a team that we expected was going to seriously contend. We didn't expect the NFC East to be that bad. So they found themselves suddenly in the, the playoff mix, even though it was unlikely at the start of the season that they were going to be. And that made it even, I think even more of a, a steep decline for Haskins because it was uh, just messy. Everything we were seeing on the field, the off the field misjudgment. And look, I think it's easy to overly criticize here. And I don't know enough about the ins and outs of the story to, to judge. And I don't really think it's necessarily our, our position to judge that unless you've got firsthand information on it, but obviously not a great look. The organization certainly didn't sit too kindly athletes, although there's a huge amount of pressure to do so. And, and Haskins was by no means the only athlete to get caught apparently transgressing the rules. It was, um, I think no doubt, compounded the situation in other words i think if you know haskins was uh in the same situation off the field and balling on the field i think Washington would have a very different different approach to it so but look you know we've seen rehabilitation stories before many a time yeah, he's been signed by the steelers right and it's yeah. a great spot for him i think because rottersburg has got maybe two years in the tank max it might yeah. be his last year next year and and who knows, right? This is a you know a first rounder from a couple of years ago with two quick to write players off who, you know, that Rosen is more of a, there's more of a gap now. There's more baggage. There's more of a, a I guess, a prolonged period of time where he hasn't started. But same thing with him. Like, let's not write off. They didn't suddenly become bad players overnight. Yes, maybe, as we've seen before, there are a first rounders that just clearly are not geared up to be NFL starters, certainly. And, and you know, you have players like Jamarcus Russell that, that completely flake, but who knows? There could be a, could be a light at the end of the tunnel for, for Haskins. So we shall see. But yeah, a fair award from Asmir. And to be fair to Asmir, because he is hardworking, committed and diligent. Again, other reasons why he's made it to the very, very top. He sent in a number of different awards. So we slightly threw him under the bus there. By we listeners, I mean, Ollie slightly threw him under the bus there by by giving him that award and not the other ones that he that he that were very kind and and positive awards that he. That well, he no, did. they weren't. I mean, the only one that was positive was the one that we're going to throw to later because it matched with someone else's award, which ah, we'll true. get to in due course. But the what second was the one was, one? was the other one? it was the third one was biggest coaching tantrum, which was the <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, which he went with the Belichick. Mm. Um, obviously which throwing the phone against the wall, which was absolutely phenomenal, which we would have included in here, but you said you were going to do that. Well, I was, and then I, well, I was, I was weighing, I love the way you threw me back under the bus there. Yeah. Uh, rolling out. I was, because I w- was going to lean towards one of my favorite subjects, which our listeners will know my obsession with head coaches who are 
terrifying and are going to absolutely rip you up at halftime and uh, and the power rankings that so that the hardcore head coach power rankings and Belichick I mean obviously he's an, an ever present in <laughs> in that top five because of it just that absolutely steely disdain that you see him give sometimes I've seen it I've firsthand I've been lucky enough to see, to see that uh, Super Bowl presses when he's just asked a ridiculous question and he doesn't and he's very still very gracious uh, underneath the deadpan demeanor but there's just a kind of glint in his eye of are you kidding are you kidding me and you know what it takes it must take uh, something extraordinary to get Belichick that wound up to get to see somebody who's normally so cerebral just have that rash act of violence and uh, it was a, it was a thing to behold certainly uh, underpinned that awful season for uh, the New England Patriots by their lofty standards and from one Wesleyan grad to another and another incredibly cerebral character most of the time anyway our friend, I am Mike Carson. Now, because we love Mike uh, and because he's the GOAT, we decided he's allowed two awards because, of course, he wanted two awards. Uh, so we've given him two. As luck would have it, one of our Mike's awards connects very definitely with the Belichick rash act of violence because Mike celebrates something we've seen very recently that I think echoes the sentiment of what we saw Belichick do. Take it away, Mike. Hey, guys. You know, it's kind of awkward to be picking your most memorable moments of the year and picking moments before and after the season. But before was when Roger Goodell acknowledged that the NFL had been wrong about Colin Kaepernick and Black Lives Matter, although Cap still doesn't have a job. And after, of course, was Dan Campbell's introductory press conference as the new head coach of the Detroit Lions, where he came out and said his team would reflect the city of Detroit, knocked down, dragged through the mud, but coming back up to bite your kneecaps off. Now, this was an odd approach for a new head coach to take, assuming your team would be lying flat on their face. But this was Dan Campbell cosplaying a role, kind of a mix between Buddy Ryan and the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I expect the Lions will come out instead of football helmets next year with black garbage cans on their heads with slits for the eyes. But it could be a good football move because right at this moment, I'm convinced that Dino Blandino and Mike Pereira and Al Riveron are coming up with a rules interpretation in that shady ground where the football move lurks that says that biting someone's kneecap is not wrong as long as you don't gain an unfair advantage and in fact is legal provided that you keep control of the knee with your teeth through the process of the bite and survive the ground without taking the kneecap with you. Hey, it might work. I had a coach like Dan Campbell my last year of college. We had been two-time little three winners. He decided we weren't tough enough. We used to have to drag ourselves across the field by our elbows, literally, every morning before practice. And we had a losing record. So good luck, Detroit. Loving that. Of course, Dan Campbell has to make our alternative awards list. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for for, for this era I mean I, I wonder if he's going to dial it down or if he kind of feels you, I, you, I'm all in now you know how like when you're watching watching uh, you know a, 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 co- a cop movie or a kind of crime film or something and and the criminals all he's in too deep and he just can't I just can't get out of it I wonder whether Campbell's already like you know the, the front office and everybody's saying Campbell you just got to uh, coach Campbell you just got to they got to dial it down a bit but he set set out the stall now he can't he can't rate it back that every presser is going to be at a similar level it's absolutely superb. I tell you what I can't wait for is to mm. see his war room for the draft. 
<laughs> that is going to be incredible. I think he's going to take the phrase war room way too seriously. And I think it's going to literally look like a bunker. But he's just got rations around him. And then you've got to feel sorry, obviously, the news about Matthew Stafford leaving. They're going to draft a quarterback, most likely. How would you feel as a rookie quarterback going into, under that reign, into that uh, situation at Detroit? That is one hell of a, one hell of a move now. I, lo- I love this idea of, of Dan Campbell's war room. I think you're really onto something here. So do, would he have tasers so when he wants the opinion of one of his guys he just tases them but uh to change the trade change the board picks um yeah definitely a bunker probably stuffed animal heads on the wall um i think he'd have punch bags in the corner that he would just go over to and just put 30 seconds in maybe a speedball (laughs) i think he's gonna actually have a line in there as well like a real line oh of course he is (laughs) (laughs) first day of trading first day of lions trading dad cameron's gonna have an actual lion it's just me uh, riding a line out to training. Do, do the whole practice riding a line. I love uh, it. It's genius. And as is Iron Mike, thanks for his brilliant contribution this season as ever. Uh, and a lovely uh, double nomination there. So great work. All right. Another award, another all pro member of the show. Ben Isaac's up next with his award for the biggest wind-up merchant in the NFL. It's CJ Gardner-Johnson of the Saints. Now, CJ punched Leonard Fournette in the kidneys when they lost to the Bucks in the playoffs, but that's not what this award is for. I'm talking about him absorbing punches, not dispensing them. In October, CJ was punched by a teammate, yes, a teammate, in practice. That's how annoying some people find him. Michael Thomas was suspended for his actions. The following month, he was punched by Bears wide receiver Javon Wims during a game after CJ tried to poke Anthony Miller in the eye snatched Wim's mouthpiece from his helmet to throw in the dirt and allegedly even spat on Wim's. I'm excited to see what CJ can do for an encore in 2021. Yeah, no, I mean, not even close, right? Not, not even close. Would, would you be able to control yourself? Are you the kind of player when you're playing sport that just is pulling away your teammates who are getting rattled and wound up and all right, calm down, just get wheeling people out of danger. Or are you like right in the thick of it, throwing roundhouse rights and, and getting cross? I'm probably just in the ref's ear, you know, just oh, trying yeah. to manipulate stirring them to just, yeah, stirring it up, massively stirring it up. I want the whole thing to keep going for as long as possible. <laughs> means I get a rest, means people get suspended. Most likely yeah. I can get someone sent off on the other team. Like that's, yeah. that's what I tend to lead with. If I can make the whole thing worse, I'll generally try and do that if I can. So you get on very well with CJ Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, I would just be in CJ Gardner-Johnson's ear or Javon Wim's ear just being like, did you hear what he just called you? Did you hear that? Did you hear what he said that? Did you hear what he just said? I can't believe he's just said that. Just the whole game just being like, just winding both of them up as much as I can. I'm not surprised that Ben went for quite an angry award as well. I well, mean, it's also quite like a, it's it's got quite a bear's link. It's very bitter. It's very yeah, bitter. it's still he's and he'll and I've known Ben for God almost twenty years, and I, and I think in twenty years time he'll still be bitter about that. He'll still yeah, be he'll be definitely. going on about it, going on about this season, going about Wims his miss miscatch. You know when it went through his hands, he still he'll still be cross about that. Ben, we'll get him to record. We'll get him to record something in twenty years. When we're Do you know what going. my left field prediction is for the off season? Oh, uh, tell me. Detroit Lions to trade their first round pick for CJ Gardner-Johnson. Just so Dan Campbell and CJ Gardner-Johnson can just stroll out on Lions together, just screaming at people. I love it. people up. I think that, I honestly think the way that Dan Campbell came out in his first press conference, surely CJ Gardner-Johnson is the exact kind of player that he wants. Just following that through, I would, I would love the idea of Dan uh, uh, of Dan, Gar- Dan Gunn, <laughs> Dan Johnson, 
Dan Johnson? Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. <laughs> thinking Dan Johnson. I would love the idea. Danny Dyer? Danny Dyer? Dan, Dan, Dan. Dan. <laughs> I would love the idea of Dan Campbell just headhunting all the biggest like the Dirty Dozen, just all, yeah. <laughs> just putting together, like get Richie Incognito in there, just all the, Vontez perfect. Yeah, bring out Ocho Cinco out of retirement. Oh, Ocho Cinco <laughs> definitely comes out of retirement. Uh, yeah, do it. Do it, Dan Campbell. I love it. Right, our final award of the night. You know what I mean? Our final award of the show, anyway. Uh, Ollie Hunter, uh, fine NFL broadcaster, was on the show very recently, of course, talking up his Packers. He's probably still hurting a little bit, I'd imagine. Uh, but I guess he'll take some solace in one of his favorite things. He does this all uh, year round across all different sports on Twitter. So well worth a uh, check out there. Follow the hashtag KitWatch, KitWatch. And no surprise to where Ollie Hunter's going with his award. Hi, Nat. Hi, gang. Ollie Hunter here with the 2020 NFL uniform review of this season. Hashtag KitWatch. Loads of honourable mentions. Washington, the Dolphins for their throwbacks. You've got the Steelers, the Saints and the Cowboys always look fantastic. The LA Rams, pretty good as well. But the best uniform of the 2020 NFL season, hashtag KitWatch, is the LA Chargers. Six different combinations. The white, yellow and blue look a fantastic Brazil, inverted Brazil in soccer, but the best are the powder blue uh, jerseys and also the all navy colour rush. Absolutely stunning, even with the white helmets and the navy blue bolt. Beautiful. There we go. I mean, who are we to argue with the great Ollie Hunter? His kit watch knowledge depth can't say it like that body of you work. have to say it like he does <laughs> <laughs> hashtag it watch hashtag it watch yeah. um uh i mean there is the unparalleled depth of knowledge of global sporting kit so if ollie hunter says it then make it so it's a it's a de facto winner i would just throw in a a close second for me is the i love the la rams kit and i think the la rams kit's underrated I'm going to throw that out there. LA seems to be bossing, bossing kits. I don't know how you feel about that. Do you have a personal favorite? Oh, you, you with Ollie Hunter? Yeah, see, I have to say, as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, it's very rarely that we get talk, talked about in a positive light. Mm. But I think that our white kits this year were some of the nicest uniforms that we saw on an NFL pitch. And I don't know if that is definitely some bias in there. I'm not a massive fan is. of our black and orange ones. So I think it's just seeing this white and black one, seeing Joe Burrow stroll out there in They're the, like, and it, it was just, they're much better, much better. I'm trying to remember back into my early, early era, Nat, the kid NFL fan. One of the earliest Super Bowls I remember is the Bengals 49ers, the Boomer, Sice and Icky Woods team. And I've got a feeling the Bengals were white in that. Let's have a look. Yeah, they, they did. did. They did. Yeah. I like I like the Bengals white. I like the Bengals. Yeah, I love the Bengals white. And we're actually getting new kits, new uniforms this year. So keep an eye out for that. Hashtag mm. KitWatch. Hashtag KitWatch. Love it. Thanks, all. Uh, Ollie Hunter, that is, for his fine contribution. And indeed, all of our terrific guests for taking time to drop in their awards. What do you think, gang? You're buying into what we're saying? Got alternative to the alternative awards? Have you got... Awards we should have considered. I think we should start getting something rolling on social. So we'll we'll chat uh, with Marley, with Tom, Andy, and the boys over on uh, on our social channels and be pushing stuff out. So get involved with that conversation. As I say, at the NC show. Fine work, Cole. Always a pleasure catching up with you, man. Cheers, Nat. All the best. Still disappointed you didn't wear a tux. 
Yeah, next year. There is always next, next year. year. And speaking of next, next week is our Super Bowl week. So we might not be out in Tampa uh, at the Super Bowl this year, which is wildly disappointing. But hey, uh, that is the world we're living in right now. Doesn't mean we're not going to go big on the Super Bowl. As I mentioned at the top, brilliant guests coming your way. J-Bell, Iron Mike, Azmir, Darren Bent's going to be in the house as well. Some brilliant voices from across the pond, part of the ESPN galaxy so we will have every angle covered we'll be getting you set for the big show so cannot wait for that look forward to it we'll see you on monday with mike and jayba see you then sports social podcast network